When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. Ah, how are you doing? I am fantastic. You're fantastic. Fantastic. The tripping the light fantastic. Ah, what's new? What's going on? What's happening? What's new? Oh my God. It's, it is the end of the summer, Joshua. Mm-hmm. Where did it go? Where did the summer go? I don't know. Work. Adulting. But you know what? Suck dry by adulting. You know what's the best thing about the end of summer? What? We're heading into fall. I know. And it's now, practically Halloween. It's practically Halloween. I, I've, I've decided <laughs> Halloween. that uh, when I return from my next days off, I am going to just start bringing in my Halloween shit. Yeah. Because now I have Halloween shit. Because awesome. now I am one of you. One of you. One <laughs> of you. You Halloweeners. Uh, what, what, what qualifies as Halloween shit? What, what are you... Well, have? I have Is this like, to your office? To my little office, my little cub- cubicle, my cubicle. My cubicle. Uh, yeah. My cubicle. Um, I'm going to... I have like prints. So I have like... When we went to... Um, when we went to Midsummer, I had... I bought one of these like Haunted Mansion vintage like poster right. prints. So yeah. I'm going to put that one there. And then I have a picture. I have like a... Um, a graphic of a uh, of um, Psycho with oh, um, yes. with yeah. uh, Marion Crane in the shower. Yeah. Um, that's appropriate for work, so I'm going to put that out. Cool. And then last year, I printed um, these like square thumbnails of all these uh, final girls from all these different films, and um, they're all like have they're all staring into the distance, mouth agape. So I wanted to do that again oh, and cool. just put them all out there. And, you know, it's all weird, very specific kind of like horror, you know, stuff. Not like a pumpkin. And I'll put out some candy and, you know, it'll be fine. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we have like very safe decorations, you know, for the clinic. <laughs> yes, you might. As you must. Yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not too scary. I, I like putting them out. You know, and I mean, maybe I'll bring in like my Elvira Funko or something and put on my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, my coworker bought at the Home Depot these cool little. What do you call them? Like the succulent plants yeah, on yeah, top yeah. of like a. Um, Dios de la Muerta's like sugar skull. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So I have that on my desk all year round because it's actually really cool. I mean, it's black and it's got some neat like painted features on that it. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to just sort of augment that little friend. You know. So I'll, br- I'll bring in some of this stuff nice. that's pretty safe and stick it out. I feel like, I feel like my, my Funkos that I have, because I have a few at my desk. I have, um, I have the cat in the hat. 
Oh, yeah. Um, because, you know, I love the cat in the hat. Not I horror. Have, and not <laughs> horror. I have um, the diva Plava Laguna from The Fifth Element. Oh, very cool. And um, I have Marie Laveau from American Horror Story Coven. Very cool. I have her up there. <laughs> yes, you do. I have her. She's prominently... They're all out of their boxes. <gasps> scandalous right. um and i need to put i have one i've been meaning to put out um i have barb from season one stranger things oh very cool yes. i mean all of mine stay in the box although that's at, at different holidays i will put out because i have the really cute krampus so i like to take him out of the box and put him on the hall entry table you yeah, know, when yeah, you come yeah. in you know i like to have my little displays out there i love your like little like your little yeah cute, exactly little your little barney's window display yeah exactly you know just something that tells you the kind of people that live here uh, but I got so much like flack for the uh, the Reagan pop I got at Midsummer Scream because I had her sign the back of it. Uh-huh. I guess that's really totally uncool with like the pop people. And everybody's like, why like did you have it signed there? And I'm like, well, I like to see it. And I, I didn't see the point. Like every time I see them sign and they draw on like the, the yeah. clear screen, it doesn't really look like anything. And it kind of hides the character. And yeah, I actually yeah. like to see the pop. I agree with so you. I had it signed on the back, but it like it started this conversation that I just unfollowed. I was like, I'm not even going to pay it any more attention to this <laughs> stupidity. Cause I wasn't going to argue it. I wasn't even going to go in and say, yeah. well, I like it. Cause I want to say, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, yeah. you know, Who I have cares? it. Yeah, exactly. I have it. Cause it's kind of a cool thing, you know, but again, back to my usual conversation in like 40 years, my, nieces and nephews be like who the fuck what is this and throw it out so yes. it's just a nice memory for me that I had a little moment with Linda Blair you fuckers had to ruin it yeah and you'd want to be <laughs> able to look at that little ring I do I like, like it ah. yeah and I and that's now kind of my thing I guess you know I'll have any others I get signed I'll have them sign on the damn back that'll be my place <laughs> all right I think the one thing I loved like about that whole that whole midsummer experience is that you brought things from home that like you have had for years. Yeah. And I don't know if we talked about it, but like you had like, you were trying to get like everybody from uh, repo, the genetic opera to sign your, yeah, like, I have a cool lobby card that has characters on it. And I had Terrence who played the grave robber and Darren Lynn Bowsman, the writer director. Well, he and Terrence wrote it. Uh, I had both of them sign it like 10 years ago when the movie came out. So I've been carrying it around hoping to meet other people. So it was cool to meet Bill. And so who's Mostly. left? Um, well, I mean, obviously the dream would be to get Sarah Brightman's signature, Paris Hilton's signature. Yes. Um, only only for completion's sake, completion's yes. sake. Not that I, I'm not even really a big fan of Paris Hilton, but it'd be kind of fucking cool to have all of their signatures on the card. And I think there's even an image of Blind Mag on it because it's not everybody. Mm-hmm. It's like it was this weird rectangular card that they were giving out in the lobby that had, you know, just their different pictures. But Bill was on one and um, I think Paris Hilton's on it. And maybe um, Paul Servino, Paul Servino's character, and then mm-hmm. one other. Uh, I think the grave robber. Woo, the grave robber. So you know, it was neat just to get that. So it would be cool to collect others that were in the movie. Yeah, but I don't know. Might be kind of hard. But I'll have it, and we'll see. You know, yeah, in the future. I mean, you never know. You, you never know. Sarah Brightman Couture. Yeah. Well, that was like you know, I, I love Leslie and the Lies. You know, Leslie Hall, mm-hmm. and I had had her sign like her little seven-inch single with Elvira mm-hmm. years ago, and so it's only recently that I got Elvira to sign the other side because both their faces are on it. So it was kind of yeah. cool to be like, oh, Leslie, you sign by your face, and I'll eventually have Elvira sign. So it was like a holy grail for me to get it. Signed. What did Elvira say when you brought that to her? She was like, oh, Leslie, yeah. <laughs> Wonder what she's been up to, and I was like, "Well, she's made music. She went on tour, and I went and seen her. You know, went to see her, and uh, she's like, oh, good for her. She seemed very complimentary. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's out there. Yeah, and it's funny, zombie killer. It's a cute little." Mm-hmm. 
song. I am. I am. I need to figure out a way to either digitize or you know get you a copy of our uh, picture with Cassandra Peterson. Yeah, because I feel like we could hang it up in here and be like you know in our little studio and be like, we should. Oh, we met Elvira. Yeah, I'm sure we could like scan it or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I thought that maybe they would send it to you, like a digital form, but I, I didn't even think to see ask. that would have been nicer. Yeah. I would have liked that. Didn't even think to ask. Um, I was going to say, though, on the Funko thing, today I ordered uh, the new Little Shop of Horrors Funko Pops that just came out. So I was very excited. I ordered a couple of the Audrey 2s, hoping that I'll get a bloody one, but I doubt I will, uh, because they're like a chase, you know, something. They're just random. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where you got one or the other. So we'll see. Crossing fingers. Sometimes I've had luck with that. Uh, like when my friend gave me the mini fig up there, like she gave me one of those blind bag packages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the mini Funko figures. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, I hope it's Elvira. And I opened it up and it was Elvira. And I was like, oh, cool. So, you know, sometimes yes. I just hope maybe I'll get maybe I'll get a chase. Maybe Baphomet will smile on you. Maybe. Yes. Maybe the Dark Lord will hear my my cry for a bloody Audrey 2 pop. But even if not, it'll mm-hmm. be kind of cool. And we're going to be, uh, that's going to be one of the prizes for um, Gorefest this year. We're yes. Have, since we're doing Gorefest the musical, we're going to show. A little shop we'll have a little shop pops for everybody and like oh, baskets man. with them you know movie music i'm so excited i am literally i'm scheduling i've arranged i've changed my dates for a vacation to make sure that i'm here for Gorefest. yes it's I, gonna be a big one because so. you know i mean i have to be here for Gorefest 10 um well it's not Gorefest 10 it's our 10th oh, anniversary 10th it's anniversary like, it's the eighth Gorefest. it's Gorefest the eighth yes, yes yes which we just thought we'd make into a musical um are you <laughs> question or is it nine it might be nine no, it can't be nine. It has okay. to be eight because there were two. Years I mean, I don't know. I wasn't. There were two years we haven't had it, so this is the eighth. Yeah. Sorry. So, like uh, the listener really cares. Thank like, you for this. Thank you for listening, listener. listener. Um, the last thing about uh, this is that we have. So last year on Halloween, um, there was like a costume contest for all the folks in my building in my in my um, my office building, and one of the teams they came out and they were uh, Mystery Inc. So they actually did like a cardboard cutout, like mystery machine and people oh, dressing up. Oh, that's cute. And I went, I, I found out later that they won and I'm like, all these people are so square. I have better ideas. And so then in between Halloween and now, um, my coworker who sits right next to me, she got hired and she's a huge, also a huge Halloween person, huge horror fanatic. Cool. Like has a great costume every year. So I looked at her and I was like, okay, we need to freaking win this because there's no way that we can let those people from that other department beat us. And they don't even like, like horror films as much as us. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think they don't even lay horror. They don't even like horror. Oh my God. We have to do it. So <laughs> I, so I don't think anyone listens to the show, so I'm going to say it. I'm going to reveal. Okay. So our costume. <laughs> Nobody listens to the show. That's correct, Joe. <laughs> I don't think they listen. No but, you know, if you listen in that department, I love you. Um, we're going to do. You just don't horror as good as we do. Okay. Do you even horror? Do you even horror? <laughs> do you even horror, bro? <laughs> Can those be t-shirts? Please, someone make yes. those t-shirts. Oh, my God. Do you even horror, bro? I like it. Um, and it'll be like bright pink. Uh, our costumes are going to be season one stranger things oh cool That'd so be cute. she's gonna be 11 because she's got the pink dress and you know all that already we're gonna have um another co-worker be jonathan but she's gonna do like drag jonathan and then i'm gonna be joyce because <laughs> i can do the uh, face with I, the lights i uh, love it uh, that's awesome that'll be it that's hysterical I love it. You could take one of my cats and use it as the uh, Demogorgon. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure their faces split open like that. Some people think they do. I'm pretty sure they've woken up and they have. They have done that. (laughs) 
Ah, so I'm very excited because we're going to discuss uh, a quiet place today. Hold on. Okay, I just want it to be quiet a little bit. (laughs) Just have a moment of quiet. Yes. Moment of silence. So this is kind of cool because this is a new movie. 2018 has just hit um, the on-demand streaming Mm -hmm. services. So I I rented it on Amazon for $2.99. Thanks, Amazon. Yeah, yeah. They're not giving us any money, but hey, shout out. Hey, you know what? To Amazon. Well. (laughs) They They can hear us, so. Yeah, totally. They're listening right now. Uh, so I'm excited. It, you know, it was funny today. I was making dinner. And because watching this movie, I don't know, for some bizarre reason, it made me like a little nostalgic for like family, you know? Oh. Like, you're just like together. They're all together. They're doing their thing, you know? Trapped like, oh. in the apocalypse. I was like, I, you know, I miss my mom. I mean, well, I was like thinking about like home cooking and stuff, you know? Uh-huh. So I made a, um, I made a Tina. <laughs> A Tina, Tina, a Tina, Tina casserole. I was like, a, a Tina Turner. <laughs> a Tina, a Tina apple turner. Uh, you, no. ca- you made a casserole of crystal meth? <laughs> yeah, it's a totally different thing. I made a tuna, tuna casserole with like peas and like, you know, macaroni. It was very delicious. Oh, that sounds great. It reminded me of like home. I upped it a little bit. It gave it a nice, you know, um, bread, uh, like a panko. Crust. Yes. Panko breast know, crust. Put it in a crock, uh, or I mean in a cast iron skillet mm-hmm. and baked it, you know, so it was very, it was very delicious. So that's what this, that's what this movie did for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Makes so, you think of home. Yeah, totally. So, uh, anyways, back to it. Uh, that yeah, that's the movie we're talking about this week, which is kind of exciting because you actually went to see it in the theater. I didn't see it with you. No, you volunteered. You were I like, volunteered I'm go see myself. This. I was like, okay, the transformation's complete. I think I posted something on Facebook about like, who am I seeing a horror film like opening weekend that it came out? I also saw it in IMAX. Which was a very, which was super interesting seeing it in like a packed theater in this huge like IMAX screen, um, really really fun, and um, I had to see it because it was like it was that it was one of those like the trailer comes out and you're like oh god I need to see that like opening weekend because mainly I see things opening weekend just because spoilers because we live in the age yeah. of the internet where everyone just like I fucking hated the last five minutes of this bullshit blah 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 yeah, and I was like true. no I can't so there was already so much buzz around it I wanted to see it um, I wanted to see it in uh, in theaters but yeah it was such an interesting experience seeing it too because um, it was there's so many s- moments of quiet that like the entire theater was just completely still and there were when people were like you could hear people eating their popcorn but you can also hear that like they could hear themselves being the only one eating popcorn so they stopped and they waited for like moments when they could like actually eat again and but in the in the most tense moments where it was just completely completely silent they was just so quiet and it was just it added to like that tension and and having the like the full surround sound and the IMAX, I thought was oh, really. I bet that would have been very cool. Oh yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was very very cool. Um, so yeah, uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I took my buddy Seth. Shout out to my buddy Seth. He's usually my movie buddy. Um, and we went and saw it, and you know, it was it was fun. It was it's a fun it's a fun little uh, it's a fun little movie. It has you know the right amount of jump scares that I thought it was going to have, and you know, no one was too. I feel like that particular crowd was just like not like they were they weren't like a jumpy crowd. So like things would happen and you'd hear like, you know, ooh, but it wasn't like, ah, 
Ah! Right. So, yeah, it doesn't really, uh, I'm not sure it inspired that kind of uh, jump, you know. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. sometimes, yeah, I mean, it definitely had some really good scares in it. Um, but I remember when I, when you first saw it, because you sent me a message or we talked or something, you're like, oh, I can't, you have to see a, mm-hmm. a quiet, uh, a quiet place because you felt it really fit some of the thematic elements of things that we were talking about. So when I watched it, uh, I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll kind of dive into some of that. Yes. Talk a little bit about the the uh, the story and I have been waiting for months, Joshua. <laughs> months. I love it. Half okay. a year almost. So we have it. Uh, it's like directed by, written by, starring. <laughs> John Krasinski, mm-hmm. who's married to the other star, uh, mm-hmm. Emily Blunt. Yes. Who I love seeing do something, because I'm so, like, whenever I think of Emily Blunt, I really think of The, the Devil Wears Prada. Uh-huh. Even though I've seen her in, like, um, what's that, The Sunshine Cleaning, where she's, like, yeah, the Sunshine crime Cleaning, scene. Yeah, yeah, with that Amy was Adams. really good. Mm-hmm. And then she did, what was the other big one? Um, I don't remember. Anyways, so I, I really only think of her, though, as as Emily from mm-hmm. the Devil Wears Prada. So seeing her in a role like this was very cool. It was kind of the same like with um, Hereditary, with like Tony Collette, because I just know her for like comedy roles mostly or or, or being, you know, sort of offbeat. So I, uh, I don't it was know, nice I kind of made her that shine. connection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, the movie is all about an alien invasion. Yes. And they're creatures who can't see they have to do everything by here by uh, sound and this family that's living like three months or so into the invasion at least that's where it starts yeah and then it of course jumps ahead another year or so so that's the that's the premise that's the premise and so from <laughs> now on there's spoilers so if you right. haven't seen it uh we don't care we're gonna continue. right yeah we're gonna keep talking we press about on it. <laughs> Uh, and I th- I forgot like I guess or or when I saw the trailer maybe I didn't realize what it was about but I kind of had forgotten so I was watching I'm like what the hell is going on you know like the alien thing so kind of threw me because I had just forgotten what it was about mm-hmm. so anyways there's that <laughs> uh, the the first like uh, anyway well hold on let's let's dive in a little let's bit so little so bit. what what did the movie what were you thinking you wanted to discuss. I was well. I definitely want to discuss um, the the thematic thing that we were that we've been talking about and we have talked about, and that I really felt kind of shown for me was the idea of pregnancy. Oh yeah, <laughs> pregnancy and motherhood. I mean, pregnancy and motherhood. I think um, overall the, the the overall theme of parenting and the kind of like loss the loss of control that you have when you become a parent yeah, um, is very apparent. But like the, the horror of like, like when she, when you find out like after the initial, after the initial, like the inciting incident and where kind of everything goes off those first three months. And then, you know, you have the first kid dies and then all of a sudden you have this other kid, Uh, which was so like, like when he starts running over to him and then like, you know, yeah. So they have like the little boy who's, I don't know what, two or three. Yeah. Very young. Very, very young. You know, obviously doesn't get that they're living in this world now where they have to not make any sound. And he finds this little toy and he wants it and they take it from him, pull the batteries out of it. But then, of course, the sister gives him back the toy Mm -hmm. and he steals the batteries and puts them in, makes noise. And this creature, I mean, just out of nowhere, like you really don't expect it because we're not used to seeing that. 
mm-hmm. you know, a child be um, murdered so viciously. Well, kind of like with it, yeah. you know, it's, it's the same sort of thing yeah. where it's, it's still very shocking. Even if you read it and you knew that it was coming, mm-hmm. it's still kind of shocking to see on screen. So Cause that's not something that you ever show. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So with him like standing there and making all this noise with this rocket and then out of nowhere, that creature like just freaking takes him. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was, I was shocked by that right up. Right off the bat, I yeah. was like, "Whoa!" Kind of like in Hereditary with Charlie. Oh, yeah. oh you just yeah. you don't see it coming, yeah. you know, because you really kind of invest in like, "Oh, she's got to be a big part of this movie." And mm-hmm. then, I mean, she is, but she's embedded. Yeah, she's like in everything. <laughs> 20, she's, yeah, you know, a half an hour into the movie, and you're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> now, what am I doing?" You know, so I, it just kind of it was very, very shocking. Yeah, I thought that was really shocking, and um, I thought that you know the. This idea of it comes out later in um, comes out later in the film, but when they're talking about like you know we just have to keep the we do the best they can, they're doing the best they can to keep everybody alive as much as possible, yeah. and the the relationship between the daughter the um, the oldest daughter and uh, the father is also fascinating too because yeah. it's like you know she she is coming from this place of you know not only is she you know developing into being a teenager and all of everything that goes in that yeah you're talking about uh, Millicent Simmons as uh, Regan yes. Abbott who is deaf yes who is who is actually deaf the, the, yeah which I thought was a very I, I read that like Krasinski really was like, no, we need to have a deaf actress. Like this yeah. is, let's not, let's not go there. Like this needs to be, the deafness is as part of the story. Yeah. Well, and she also helped like craft you know, mm-hmm. and helped everybody learn and really use, you know, the sign language, the ASA, yeah, American yeah. sign language through, through the movie, which they used mm-hmm. to speak in and then is subtitled. Yeah. And I, and I am actually pretty fluent in American sign language. So that was also really, I was trying not to look at the subtitles to see how much I remembered. It's been, I'm a little rusty, but, um, <laughs> it's, it was really fascinating how they kind of use that. And what's also fascinating too, is that, you know, this is, they, you can tell when it's not like your, when it's not like your first language. So the kind of movements that they did and, and all the shorthand and stuff like that, that was really cool how it's still something that they're getting used to. Yeah. Um, you know, because they can hear and they can talk. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it was but, really interesting. Yeah. But I mean, obviously they're using it as like, it's one of those things where I feel that it's making a comment because the family, because they have a daughter who's deaf, obviously they've all learned sign language. So this like, it's interesting because, uh, you know, the majority of us probably don't. So if something mm-hmm. did come here, you know, that could only operate by sound, mm-hmm. we, w- we would lose a lot of ways to communicate. Yeah. And so it kind of, it, it sets that as a, like an advantage, mm-hmm. you know, I, I yeah. don't, so there's a bigger, I, I feel there's a bigger conversation going on there about like ableism. And, exactly. Where it's like what you thought was initially a like disability and mm-hmm. you know that actually sets you apart from the the modern world is actually what's keeping you alive yeah yeah and, uh, to like a lesser extent i think of like um Glenn on The Walking Dead being like a pizza man and knowing mm-hmm. kind of how to get in and out of the city because, you know, he's so looked down on or so like mm-hmm. looked over. Not the same as being profoundly deaf, obviously. But I like those kinds of twists where yeah. that becomes yeah. very important. Like he, that's, that's a very important trait to have. And so obviously in this, yeah. like her being deaf becomes a very important mm-hmm. and valuable mm-hmm. uh, key to surviving. Yeah. The, Interestingly enough, <laughs> as you're, you know, part of part of the film is like a lot of exposition about how it is that they live their lives, and yeah. you can only step in the certain places that you can step in because they don't make noise, or you're walking on sand because it's all this and that. So that was really that was really 
cool to see how you know thought out and they were able yeah, to yeah gosh how'd they get miles and miles of sand like everywhere exactly you know i'm curious like where's this sand coming mm-hmm. from that they're carrying and then it's that, like but... all done in silence or all right. done with like very carefully without you know these loud noises and one thing that one thing for me that was a that uh i was automatically thinking about and i can kind of i kind of telegraphed it in my head already with some of the stuff that happened in the film was that like, because deaf people can't hear, they don't know when they're being loud. Yeah. Like they, they, um, I, when I was uh, taking ASL classes in, um, in college, uh, one of my, in my beginning ASL class, there was a woman there who her son is deaf and had just gotten a cochlear implant, but she wanted to make sure that she, um, she had enough foundation in order to teach him the language because she wanted him to be able to live in both worlds. And, and I thought that was, I always, um, I always appreciated that about what she wanted to do. But she was saying that like, you know, when she talks to other, um, other parents and she goes to other parents' homes where they have deaf children, it's like some of the loudest households because Mm. like, they just don't know that they're being loud. You know, they're, they don't know, like, you know, put things down gently. Like that's all stuff that, that's all stuff like I think about it, like if I if I lived in a world where I didn't hear anything, how would I know to like set a plate down mm. that was not going to make a noise? Yeah. You, you know, like and, and I thought that was I thought that was fascinating because like they would have had to have taught her how to like how to move in a way that's not going to create sound. And it's, but she doesn't even know that she's doing it. So imagine, imagine if you will, a psychology of like, I could be doing something that is actually putting my family in danger, but I can't even hear it or I don't know it. Yeah. And you know, I, I thought that was a, that for me was an interesting texture because I know, I've studied and and been a little more immersed in like deaf culture. Yeah. Well, and I think they kind of make that point a little bit, well, yeah, a few times in the movie, but like right at the beginning when the little brother, he has the, uh, the rocket and it starts making the noise, mm-hmm. they're all walking and the father turns around and she just keeps walking and she's the nearest to him. Yeah. So she, uh, you know, she can't hear that it was making all this noise. She just sees their faces and it's like, wait, what's going on? You know? So they, I, I think to your point. That, yeah, that's exactly. a very frightening moment. Cause it's like, yeah. he's making all this noise, like right behind you. And yeah. then that creature like comes and, yeah. you know takes away, sets up the whole emotional plot of the, of the movie of her, yeah. like blaming herself for the death of her younger brother and mm-hmm. thinking that her parents hate her because of it, you know, it mm-hmm. kind of sets up that, um, uh, uh, antagonism. Yeah. 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 The, the conflict. Yeah. So yeah, back to your point with the, uh, pregnancy from earlier. Yeah. It's another movie in a long line where it's like this, Oh my gosh. I, she's going to have a baby. This is awful. Like Jeff and I were sitting there watching the movie and, you know, you see her with her full belly. I think it was the part where she was listening to, for the heartbeat Mm -hmm. and Jeff and I both are like, Oh shit, she's going to have a baby in like a few days and she's going to have to do it silently. And we like, (laughs) we're like freaking out for her. (laughs) Like, how's she going to do that? How's she going to have a baby without making any like noise? Yeah. That's like on The Walking Dead when Lori got pregnant, mm. and I was like, fuck, like, how are you going to do yeah. that? Like, just, no, there's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. Um, yeah, when she's, like, listening for the heartbeat, and she, like, putting the X's in the calendar, yeah. and I'm like, God, no. Like, oh, the anxiety of that. And then seeing her set up, like, the crib with, like, the little os- oxygen mask and the little box, and then later on when the- she has the baby, mm-hmm. under hor- horrifying circumstances while being stalked by one of these creatures, mm-hmm. and having stepped on a nail. I love that, like, setup of oh. her walking up and trying to pull the blanket or whatever it was she was carrying, and it, like, pulled up the nail. 
I was like, who, somebody's going to step on that. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then it was her, and I've just felt so terrible for her, you mm-hmm. know, and then that creature comes because she's holding something, a picture, and drops it, and it shatters yeah. everywhere, makes all this noise. And so they're, like, coming in and stalking her while she's, like, dripping amniotic fluid everywhere. Yes. I'm like, this is, this is horrible. Getting into a bathtub and trying yeah. to, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was it. Was so like intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so what else? But like, get you, but like, get you a man who's gonna like do that for you, right? Like, get you a man who has basically thought out the entire. <laughs> the in the entire like apocalypse like it's it's just to me it always when things like that happen it's like man i would be dead like (laughs) it's like just kill me now if i had to like like everything that he did with the lights and the fireworks and his like conspiracy board of like why can't they hear yeah like just you know get you a man get you someone who can do that he's trying you know he's just trying to get his family through and maybe they're you know they'll figure out the weapon or something Mm -hmm. to use against and because I'm sitting there thinking, like, why? Why would you have another baby? But then I'm like, they probably think they're the only people left on Earth. Yeah. Until they met that guy who, like, basically oh, committed yeah, suicide. yeah, the poor old man with his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. that I'd probably... If it was just, like, me and Jeffrey and we were, like, in our 70s and something came and mm-hmm. killed me or him, I mean, yeah, I'd probably have to... That'd probably be it. Yeah. Like, ah, fuck it. You know, what am I going to do? <laughs> Maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe he would just move on. I don't know. he really enjoyed this too i made him watch it uh we had like a we did movie night with the quiet place yesterday and then Mm -hmm. also today we watched hereditary because he hadn't seen it yet yes yeah you had a you had a bunch of mother yeah it was like a mother's day feature well and i mean i think this is the kind of movie that he likes anyways it reminded me of uh cloverfield lane a little bit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know uh it reminded me of alien Mm -hmm. uh, and thus like jaws you know because you don't really see the creatures in full to late which i love i love that they were just kind of little flashes of them Remind me of signs. Yeah. A lot. It, yeah, visually, definitely. It kind of had that same. Because, like, farm, farm, you know, farm and all that. Remind me of signs. Remind me of Stranger Things because it's very similar to the Demogorgon, I thought. Yes, the creatures have their faces all open up and they have all the yeah. teeth. and Yeah, and then the uh, Cloverfield, the original Cloverfield, like the kind oh, of shape yeah. of the creature. Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of reminded me of all those movies, but also very, um, it was very Hitchcock in flavor because they're kind mm-hmm. of all in one place for the most part. I mean, I know they go off to the woods and do other things, but mm-hmm. you know, the majority of the action happens in this little isolated farm area. So I, I just, I really, I really appreciated like that kind of vibe. I love, I love movies like that where it wasn't a road movie, like a yeah. lot of apocalyptic films. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, we've been in this place. Now we go here, we go here, mm-hmm. we go here, you know, we're going to keep on the road. Yeah. It's very much this world building. Um, like you can, you were fully immersed in what it is that they were like that they were doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and they're just kind of going out and scavenging mm-hmm. what they can and bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have a question for you. And yeah. I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know if it's truly explored, but the the father. So when she says, uh, when Regan says to the father, um, you know, I you blame me or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It's like, you you know, you're the one who blames me. And he's like, you know, I don't blame you. I I struggled with whether or not he was being genuine or if he was just saying that. 
Well, he and the son have that kind of conversation. When he, uh, so the son like really doesn't want to go out and do mm-hmm. like the you know quote unquote manly things. That that mm-hmm. was an interesting dichotomy, which we could talk a little bit about. You know the like the feminism of the film mm-hmm. uh, with the you know the mom and the daughter, and then the father and the son. But anyway, so he kind of forces the son to go out, and they're like fishing, yeah. and then he teaches them that you know about like the aliens can only hear. As long as there's louder sounds, mm-hmm. they can like talk and communicate. So they're like mm-hmm. yelling under the waterfall, which was a really neat moment. Yeah. Like, you know, just yeah. film wise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so when they're sitting on like the bank, you know, near the waterfall talking about uh, her, and the son actually is the one who tells, mm-hmm. you know, the father that she blames herself and, you know, he should let her know. So you're talking about later yeah, when he's see, about to die. See, this is. You know, listeners, this is a very interesting thing that almost never happens is that I've seen a movie first and I'm trying to remember it. And Joshua is the one who just watched it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're witnessing the student becoming the master at this point or well, not really, because, you know, I'm it was such a long time ago. But (laughs) but yeah, I'm talking about like that, that moment where, you know, they they're having the argument about it. And he's saying like I I, because to me. Part of me would like to think that if I was in his position, I would not think that I would try my best to like think it was an accident, you know, this, that, and the other. But at the same time, it's like I took this away from him. I took the I took the you know the toy away from him for a reason yeah. because I knew better. And then you gave it back to him, yeah. thinking you know thinking it was good. And now here's where we are. You disobeyed me. This is where we are with that. And I feel, I feel like that would be a little more, even after a year, that would be completely new. Uh, that would be a lot of nuance for me. Not only that, but like the fact that, the fact that she's already trying to distance herself because she doesn't want, you know, cause it's like, it, it would almost be like, I felt like she thought it was painful for her, him to look at her. And I feel like she created that distance in order for, you know, to spare his feelings a little bit, even though it came off as like, you know, I, I know you blame me type, type of angsty thing. Maybe. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what, you know, Krasinski wanted to infer, but I feel like a lot of their, a lot of the tension is also they blame themselves. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you know how kids are. Like, if he can reach those damn batteries, he's going to take... Like, I would have taken those and put those in my damn pocket, and we could all keep... And then I'd be like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't have wandered off and just left in there alone, you know, with the, you know... Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed, like, perfectly reasonably be go, well, fuck yeah, I'm going to take that. Oh, and I'll grab the batteries. Yeah. Well, I mean, the sister gives him that, but he grabs the batteries. So there wasn't enough explanation, or, you know, you're living in this world where they... I mean, I get that it's a young child, obviously. So that means even more so you can't rely on that you've explained something. Yeah. I mean, we tell kids all the time not to do stuff. Don't stick your fingers in that. Don't, you know, put that in there. Don't mm-hmm. try to, you know, I mean, and kids still, you know, don't put that in your mouth. And there it is in their mouth five minutes later, you know. So yeah. it's like you kind of have, you can't trust a three, four-year-old. So yeah. I think there's a lot of that, like, self-blame, too, that they failed as parents. Mm-hmm. And so it just creates the tension yeah. through the whole thing, you know. Kind yeah. of, well, it's yeah. like, it's so interesting because I really, I find a lot of parallels with this in Hereditary. Not, and one, because I just watch it, but two, I think they both are great nouveau like versions of like classic horror films, Mm -hmm. you know, so it kind of sets out, it's a similar tension with, you know, the son being responsible for his young sister's death Mm -hmm. and then being so like, 
I can't even do anything about it in shock, yeah. you know? So I think it, it just makes sense. The sister withdraws, mm-hmm. they all withdraw. It's, you know, it's again, it's a movie about grief and yeah. about the way it, you know, terrorizes a family, separates them. Yeah. yeah. And especially <laughs> like it's the older sibling and, mm-hmm. uh, and everything that comes as you being an older sibling, you yeah. I'm sure you know, like everything that comes with the fact that you are the older sibling, you're the one who's supposed to watch out for her, especially in hereditary where yeah. she's like, if you're going to this party, she's going to this party. Like, you know, you have yeah, to. Absolutely. Um, and I thought, always thought that that was interesting because it's like, you know, she, the, the kind of already expected, um, of your station to be looking out for your younger sibling. And in that moment when she gives him back the toy, she's doing it because it's like, Oh, don't worry about him. You know, here, still have some fun. You yeah. Know, tozzle your hair, little kid. And then when in actuality it ends up being his undoing, um, which, you know, can only weigh on you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to have like nightmares like that when I was younger. I mean, and my siblings and I, it's not like we're really, you know, close, tight, knit types. But when I was younger, I definitely had like dreams where, you know, something terrible would happen to like my younger brother. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you know, you feel like responsible. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I just remember? Definitely an anxiety for siblings. My my initial comment about like, you know, how do you have a child who's deaf who like you, you know, if they're going to put a plate down, they have to put it down softly. She has a cochlear implant. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the point is it's not working. Yeah. But like that would be how if at one point when technology in the world had not, that that's how she would know. But like, uh, you know, so growing up, it would make a little bit sense. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that no one like is yelling at me. But she has a cochlear implant right. in their car. <laughs> uh, see, I didn't make that connection earlier either. So look at that. Mm-hmm. We kind of you've cycled and, and you've 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 become more aware. I've become. I have reached nirvana. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, uh, there was. I you know I read an article about. Which I sent to you. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. A quiet place falls into a tired trope about deafness, which I thought was interesting because I mean the, the and it's a review. You know, from the perspective, it's this woman, Pamela J. Kinchelo, Kinchelowe, Kinchelo. I don't know. K i n c h e l o e. I would say maybe Kinchelowe. Yeah, you know. if anybody wants to like look it up and read, this you is know. with Huffington Post. Uh, is it? Yes, yes. The Huff, Huff Post. I like how it says that. Huff Post. Uh, so it, it's kind of an interesting review because she's very she's mixed. I mean, she talks about you know enjoying like the movie, but also you know, just critiquing it a little bit, you know, when it comes to deafness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just curious kind of what you thought, especially now, since you're talking about, um, you know, having done ASL. Yeah. Um, hold on. I'm, I, cause I read it already and I'm just looking Oh, did you have, you had a note that I, you wanted to, I haven't, I like this, uh, talks about John Krasinski striving, uh, describing it as a film about, Parenthood, mm-hmm. a sci-fi thriller about parenthood, <laughs> which, you know, you were talking yeah. about earlier. And then, you know, in you have a lot of, um, I love that they're talking about the deaf diversity of the tribe, uh, the shape of water, baby driver, um, you know, to, to gate up a little bit, the, um, the deaf West, uh, production, a Broadway production of spring awakening, which oh. featured like, you know, where deafness was a part of the characters, because usually when usually when Deaf West does a show, it the deafness is not necessarily a part of the a part of the the character. It's it's just um, incidental, and it 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 adds something, but it's not something that's ever like you know it's never that's ever just like yes, these people are deaf, these people are not. But I felt like because they made it such a practical choice, it was it there's extra layers and texture. 
So, but yeah, um, I, I don't know. What do you, I, I'm curious to see what you, th- what you, what you thought about what they were saying. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. And then for the listener at home, what is, what is, what is they saying? Right, right. <laughs> so it's just looking at this. So, okay. So it's saying that a lot of movies that show deafness as like an advantage Whereas in like regular society is considered such, you know, a hindrance. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. It's this, what is this called? Deaf gain. The Mm -hmm. myriad ways in which both deaf people and society at large have benefited from the existence of deaf people, deaf people, deaf people, deaf people. uh, That's me. Deaf people. Yes. (laughs) And sign language throughout recorded human history. Uh, So, and they're pointing out that, an example of deaf gain in quiet places, the fact that ASL is such a great advantage, such a valuable skill that the hearing people in the family have adjusted to a new deaf way of being in order to survive. And this is, I guess, put in, what do you want to say? Like it's added into the, the texture of the film. Yeah. But it, what, what it's, what it's questioning is if, if the film is like quote unquote pro deaf, is it empowering? Mm-hmm. Uh, what message is it saying? So silence, especially in the inability to speak, is depicted as tragic. So this is this is examining the movie from a place that, like, again, like we've kind of come, we talked about in the past, being like cis males or mm-hmm. having like a queer male perspective. And again, we're 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 both mm-hmm. as as much as far as I know, able bodied mm-hmm. people. Uh, <laughs> at least as long as I have contacts or glasses. Yeah. If I break them, then. Oh, yeah, then we can't see shit. Still not the same as being, like, profoundly blind or profoundly deaf. But the fact that generally society looks down on that. And and so if you take away our ability to speak and to hear, that we lose some sense of the human experience. That's what movies like this, Mm -hmm. you know, in showing deafness this way, where, you know, they always want to say more to each other, but they can't. They're, they're quote-unquote, limited to what they can speak with their hands. Yeah, they have to go to, they have to have that special moment where they go to the waterfall in order for them to, like, scream out loud, and because that's not something that they can necessarily express with their hands, or because of the limits of, um, the limits of that kind of manual mode of communication. Yeah, exactly, you know, or the the wife and the husband, they yeah. can't really be emotional or romantic. Yeah. Instead, they're listening to like the iPod together. And that's yeah. a way to have that mm-hmm. moment in. See, that's interesting. Cause I, I would, de- I would not say that this film is by any means from a deaf point of view. Like it's not from a deaf point of view. It just happens to be, it's a device that's used in the film in order to advance plot. It, it provides, um, it provides like logical reason for why you have, um, for why you have uh, this family that's been able to survive for so long, like yeah. that, that makes complete and total sense to me. But, but the the thing is, and one of the one of the methods of their survival is that yeah, for their day to day, for the most part, they are able to communicate with each other. But it's because they know, they can hear that they know that they're able to know what 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 is and is not appropriate and what is and is not what will get them killed or not. Mm. Because if this was like a truly deaf family. Like there's no way that they would have if it was a deaf family where everyone in the family is deaf and that and that has that is something that happens, you know, there I don't know if they would have survived that long either. Mm. And 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 that to me is a little and that to me is interesting because at the end because also when she at the very end discovers that it's the, you know, intense feedback that's actually hurting their 
that that's hurting the how sensitive their uh, the hearing is mm-hmm. and the echolocation in the in the creatures. She discovers that because. She discovers that because she like makes connections, but like her mother, her mother who is hearing, like there are there's pieces that are still missing. So yeah, well, that's another criticism is that even in the end, you know, even though she's posed as like this heroic, you know, or not heroic, but this means this device Mm -hmm. in which that you know they can all you know still stay together and survive this this particular apocalypse. Is really comes down to a machine that's attached to her rather than like exactly. herself. And like, you know, for anyone who has, um, who's immersed in deaf culture or knows, you know, or for ASL students who have, stu- who are studying deaf culture, the cochlear implant itself is a highly like fraught piece of technology and mm-hmm. thing within the culture because you have, you know, at least when I was, when I was in college, you know, over like eight, 10 years ago, it was always about like, do you, they always, it was always an interesting question to pose to hearing people because we've never lived in a world where we couldn't hear. So right. to us, it's like, yeah, why wouldn't we want to give this child who has was born without hearing the opportunity to experience something that we have. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you also have an entire world of entire culture and an entire world of deafness that is very rich and very full that you can also impart to them. Like, you know, deaf people believe that ASL is their language. Like it's their natural language that they can, that they have and can express themselves in. And it's, it, it, what's funny is that, you know, we, ASL expresses, um, you can express things in ASL that you can't in hearing, like you can't in, in a spoken language either. So like you, the, where, you know, that the interesting thing where it's like, you know, okay, you can't, they can't say, they can only say so much with their hands, but like you can only say so much with words too. And how that all kind of goes on it. But anyway, long story short, it's like that device itself is such a fraught device because it's like, you know, you, you again it's like surgery on young children and you know like okay that that's the whole thing and then where's the choice that they have in order to have them language and this then the other so it's that where that kind of becomes it's you know where that become part of like the reason why they're able to defeat the monster i thought was like oh like i when i saw that i'm like i kind of figured that that was going to happen but like the fact that this so much relies on it i'm like oh that i thought that was such an interesting choice yeah um and it makes me it I, and I haven't read or really seen anything where, um, and maybe it's just not looking hard enough, but like where Krasinski kind of mentions that because he's focusing a lot on the aspect of the, on the parenthood and the family yeah, aspect yeah. of it. When I feel like there's a huge implication with deaf culture, like with, um, with having a deaf actress be in it and then using sign language as a main mode of communication. I feel like there's a much larger conversation that I feel maybe, I would have loved to know more about that part of his process. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's kind of fascinating because again, you know, we're looking at it from able, you know, able bodied people who can hear and have experienced the world that way. And again, it goes back to these questions with science and the patriarchal construction of science Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we've decided or not we, well, I guess we, you know, because we put people, you know, where they are and we, we give respect to people who have written Mm -hmm. or said, here's what we're defining as the normal experience for a human. And that includes being able to see, that includes being able to hear, that includes, you know, being white and being male, (laughs) 
no, that's <laughs> me being. But like, it includes a um, no. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they, those people, they have. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm being funny, but not really yeah. either. Like, I mean, it's true. There's a patriarchal yeah. construction that this this is normal. Mm-hmm. Anything that is not like male and mm-hmm. you know have all of these features and all of these things then becomes abnormal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is just the theory of like you know gender and and science and all of that. Um, the, these constructions. So, you know, the movie. Yeah, it's it's putting because the goal. For these people, this family, you know, including, you know, the daughter, at least, you know, implicitly, is to return the world to quote unquote normal Mm -hmm. by everybody being able to hear and talk again. Yeah. You know. By by being able to live without having to worry about making us happy. Yeah. We didn't want to all use sign language. We want to return the world. So I think that's the argument that's being made in this piece, in in the piece about... um, a quiet place falls into tired trope about deafness. So I did want to bring it up because I thought it was very interesting because I haven't read a lot of like crit- critique of the film uh-huh. uh, when when it first came out um, or you know when I first read of like oh it's very exciting they're using sign language and I immediately thought of things like you know Clan of the Cave Bear. Uh, there aren't a lot of like movies. I think um, the Quest for Fire they use some some sign language mm-hmm. type. Uh, you know, to communicate. That's what the clan of the Cape Bear, those are both mm-hmm. like, you know, caveman movies. Uh, so I was trying to think of other instances where ASL was used throughout an entire film to tell mm-hmm. a story. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any others? Um, well, well, I mean, that the shape of water yeah. is probably the, uh, it's mentioned in the article, the, the, the shape of water, yeah. um, the baby driver. Okay. Um, is that, but that, but the whole film isn't driven on that. Not that's the what I whole mean. film, but it's the, it's um, not the whole film, but I've it's, not seen Baby Driver. So. Um, not the whole film, but it's it's an important part, and also like the uh, baby who's the main character. He um, he has uh, tinnitus. He has tinnitus. Oh, okay. So and tinnitus, 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 tinnitus. tinnitus. Yeah, I'm he sorry. has um, Ab-fab, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like his uh, person who cared get for him, he is um, deaf, and okay. that's also played by. Um, a fairly prominent deaf actor as well, but it, it plays a it plays a role in um, in the in film, the plot okay. in the plot of the I film. See. I, see. I mean, and then of course you have Children of a Lesser God, and you you know, but like as far as like deafness actually playing, you know, anything short of like anything Marley Matlin's ever been in. Um, yeah, you know. Well, again, that's deafness as a role, not like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like this. Almost this entire movie is told in this way. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very quiet, and you know, yeah. there's no talking. I just, I, I did think that was very interesting. And very I, cool. I feel like I would, I would be pretty safe in saying that they're probably other than maybe the shape of water, where um, I mean, and even then, like it's mostly a hearing, it's mostly a hearing movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It, other than like very niche kind of deaf films. I feel like the shape of the, this particular film is one that is um, maybe one of the first widely yeah, mainstream. Ma- mainstream majority ASL type of uh, uh, majority ASL type of film. Hmm. I mean, I I would love to be corrected, <laughs> uh, so please. Please, please do so. If if there if I'm missing something, if I'm completely yeah, no, I mean so, I haven't seen every so movie no, but like <laughs> please, listeners out there, um, yeah, I'm curious because I mean I did enjoy the way it was told, and you know I I don't know if it's necessarily again I mean I think it's like anything else I love critique of this of this nature you know we obviously as queer people you know I'm constantly you know you know a, a gay quote unquote gay movie comes out and it always goes to that same lens of like. Mm-hmm 
cool, you know, different mm-hmm. stories are being told. We're, we're, we're expanding. So yeah. I like the way that this is told. I like, you know, I thought, thought it was interesting. It was something that unlike I'd ever seen before, really. Yeah. You know, sure. so, so I really enjoyed that expansion, but I think, yeah, things can always be better and we can always critique. So I like, you know, I, I really enjoyed reading this article and just kind of getting this other viewpoint because again, ableism, you know, is a very real thing. You know, the world is constructed to meet certain needs that not all of us yeah. or not even needs, but just we assume the world operates in a certain way. Yeah. You know, because it is designed for able bodied people yeah. and right handed people and mm-hmm. you know all you know, people that can see and hear and all and exactly. all the things that we've decided are normal for because the of the majority experience. because it's a majority of people on the planet that experience it in this in this yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, and well, and because of you know just all the way things are are constructed, the way mm-hmm. the way we've constructed our society. So I just I really enjoyed that because I, I hadn't read a lot of other criticism of it. Mm-hmm. I like I said I was critical of, you know, that weird the women divide, you know, that kind of happens. Yeah, but again, I mean, we're not seeing the whole story of mm-hmm. you know you know maybe he is, but the daughter just seems so able and so willing to want to learn and, yeah. and and is trying to survive yeah maybe partly based on guilt but also partly based on the fact that you know they are the future the mom is right and mm-hmm. you know correct um uh, oh shoot i forgot her name emily blunt's character when she's named. talking to him like you know uh, you evelyn are, yeah yeah evelyn yeah when she's talking to the son about you got to take care of me when i'm old and gray so it's important that you learn these things and the daughter you know was really willing but for whatever reason again and that we don't is, know the and that's also a con so like i i think what we're talking about is the is like the kind of conflict that happens where like the son doesn't want to go out yeah but the daughter's but the daughter's really willing and that also is like maybe a comment on you know or do you see my because like she it's not so much a comment on the deafness but it kind of is it's like i'm willing to go out with you mm-hmm. you know to to hunt i'm the oldest yeah. i am i'm, I'm I am capable. Let me do it. And he, in that moment could choose to just make that happen because it's like, Oh yeah. I mean, and that can be like a way to kind of build bridges again and mend fences. But then it's like, well, no. And I was like, and the whole time I'm sitting there in the theater and I'm like, are we trying to butch this kid up? Like, it's it's like, are we trying to butch this kid up? And I felt, I felt that connection really immediately Mm -hmm. too, because I felt like I would have been the same way. Like, no, I'll stay here with mom. Exactly. I'm like, I don't want to be out in the woods. Exactly. I would not (laughs) be, I'm not going to try to, I'm not trying to be out in no woods. I'm not trying to be out in no, like, you know, I, I remember, God, I remember being a kid and growing up and having to like, um, go help my dad, uh, we, there was like a typhoon that like knocked all the power out on the island. And so we, we had like a shed that had a generator and the generator could like, we supply like, um, how, uh, supply electricity to the house for a couple hours. So that way we could like run a laundry, you know, run our, our washing machine. And I had to go out with him into like this, like back part, completely pitch back, hold the flashlight in this weird shed, like, you know, and I was like, I did not want to do it. I was yeah. just like, I have no interest in doing this at all, holding this flashlight. And my dad would be like, get over here, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't. I'm like, oh, God, no, your queer son is not going to do this for you. Right. <laughs> and, and like, and that, and so like, I so identified with that kid in that moment. However, you could also make the argument, too, that because the daughter is stronger, that's why she's there to protect the mother. 
So like she takes him because he can protect him and, you know, whatever impart wisdom. But at the end of the day too, she's there and like can also try to protect the mother. I mean, that could be, if you wanted to kind of take it in that direction, yeah, yeah. There's, she's still like, you know, I mean, the fact that she has like her own separate trail of sand that goes yeah. into this empty field where she just stares and like, you know, looks at things that in and of itself is, is really interesting. But um, well, I think it's indicative yeah. of like, yeah, she's, you know, very strong natured and, you know, wants to, wants to be taken seriously as an adult, you know, yeah. even though she's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was the same way. I remember that as a kid. And a part of me, like I go back and forth, like, oh, you know, I wish maybe they would have pushed, you know, before, not forced necessarily, but if I would have seen the value in learning some of the things, like my brother's sisters went out fishing and they did you know, very woody and natural things. So they, they're all, they all have capabilities that I don't have that I mm-hmm. really shunned. And now it's like, well, gosh, you know, if the apocalypse, apocalypse came, did you hear that? I'm like, uh, what's his name on the RuPaul's Drag Race? The, what was it? The, um, the Rupocalypse? Yeah, but he calls it something else. The, one of the drag queens. Apocaloptica. 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 <laughs> Anyways, the apocalypse. Like, I'm really useless. There's not really not much I can do. Yeah. Um, unless people have lots of children, I can maybe teach them to read, but I only have scary things. So, <laughs> you could you could promote literacy. Yeah, I could promote literacy through um, Lovecraftian tales yeah. uh, of the apocalypse. Exactly. Uh, I could sing show <laughs> at the end of the world. Great. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. We have we have use. You know, exactly. we, you need art in the um, in the apocalypse just as much to, as you need fires to, and food, right? Exactly. And to be fair, <laughs> I feel like that's the only thing that would keep that, like, that's the only reason why we would keep bigots alive is because they would know how to, like, actually survive. <laughs> no, there's plenty of great people. Who are. <laughs> we can get rid of the bigots. There's plenty of awesome people. I know lots of people who hike. It's like, do you, would you? Like they can, it's you like know. you're faced with a choice. <laughs> it's like, here's your apocalypse scenario. You're faced with a choice. You can either... <laughs> You can either take five racist bigots who like can build you an entire like home and be naturally self-sustaining, or you can take three queers who have no, who are like very forward thinking, but like, you know, are next to useless handy wise. Which do you choose? (laughs) (laughs) You take the one bigot that's actually closeted homosexual and then the rest of them. (laughs) There you go. Maybe we can flip them. No, just like glean all their knowledge and then get rid of them. No, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I don't know. It's I fine. Mean, it sounds a lot more fun hanging out with like you and Laura and you know, all yeah, of our, all of our friends. And if we all die together, well, hey, exactly. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll be those people at the top of the Empire State Building in yeah. in uh, Independence That's Day. That's a you frightening, know? frightening, frightening thought. Uh, but yeah, so I definitely had that feeling um, watching. Like that whole scene, because I remember my brothers and sisters' dad like would do things like that. Like, all right, kids, you all got to come help me, and we're gonna like carry this wood, or you know, come help him pull weeds in his yard or something, you know. Or well, he he did a lot of maintenance work, so sometimes he'd take us like illegal child labor to come mm-hmm. like help at these houses doing shit, and I fucking hated it. You know, like, I just was so miserable, like yeah. watering plants in the broad daylight. It was mm-hmm. horrible when I was like 10. Uh, and now here you are watering character. plants in the broad daylight. But there you are. What are you talking about? I don't do that. That's Jeff. Jeffrey goes out there. All the, all of that, all of that plant growth is Jeffrey. He's been out there. Uh, his, you're just the lady of the house. Succulent forest or whatever. <laughs> it looks like star Wars. Some, 
You know, I know enough Star Wars to know it doesn't look like Tatooine. It looks like one of those other jungly planets. Like, <laughs> like Naboo. Like Naboo or uh, Endor. Yeah. Now Star Wars people are hating us because we're bringing up the Phantom Menace. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he's got like this weird. You knew enough Star Wars, though, to troll people with the Phantom Menace. So that's yeah. good for you. No, I mean, I know I pay attention. Jeffrey loves Star Wars, so he loves it. I, I have to pay attention to it so I can talk somewhat intelligently about it. The trick is that I just like to mix things up for fun. <laughs> I like to talk about John Luke Picard and the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> oh God, he must hate that. And uh, Pizza the Hut. <laughs> and yogurt and, and the yogurt. Schwartz. Yes, I like to. I just like to mix them up enough so that he knows. Like, mm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I, we're I, trying not to piss on other people's fandoms these days. That's the new thing. That's the meme going around. You know, let people have their pumpkin spice. In March, if they want it, or whatever. Everybody's all pissed. I'm seeing it on Facebook. Everybody's yeah. all mad. It's just too early for pumpkin spice. It's not even, you know, October. I'm like, whatever. Let them have it whenever they want. If it brings them joy in this sad world. So I am trying to be less of a Grinch, of a geek Grinch. Look you know? at you. That's growth. Yes. It's so I'm, nice I'm to see me on this. Trying, I, this I, profound I journey of growth. Yes. People, people, people have a right to their joy, even if, it's, even if I personally find it scary. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to the quiet place, a quiet place, which is where I'm going to need to be put after yes. this. Um, overall, I really, I really did. I really enjoyed it. I'm loving these movies that are coming out that are, you know, a little more thoughtful. That are, you know, definite callbacks. Because I, you know, I found myself ten years ago wondering, like, you know, or even longer than that, probably fifteen years ago, would like saw in those kinds of movies that were out, like, if we would ever make something like The Exorcist, like Rosemary's Baby, like Alien, you know, that could be quiet and and, and sort of longer and more thoughtful and, mm-hmm. you know, have these sort of like cerebral elements, mm-hmm. you know, not such, I mean, you know, I'm here for a good torture film. I mean, I still I just love all my horror, but yeah. I, I really am enjoying this trend mm-hmm. we're in. You know, yeah. Get Out, you know, movies that are just a little, that are callbacks and that feel... Yeah. You know, like classic horror. They're using still possible. Yeah, they're using it to to really say something about the culture. Yeah, and I've I've had this conversation recently um, with uh, with a couple friends, and you know, talking about every time I talk about this podcast, and you know, it's not one of the first things that I bring up about me. And so after a while, when I mention it, and they're like, "Oh, really? I didn't know you like horror." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm I firmly identify." I was like, "I firmly identify as horror." <laughs> I'm that is my, show. I'm a horror. I'm a horror. I edit it. <laughs> my pronouns are whore or roar. Or roar. A whore or and roar. Um, no, my I, I identify as like a fan of horror, and and here's why. And I always tell them like you know it's it's more than just you know the the films that I like, and that's the thing. It's the films that I like, mm-hmm. and. Because I like a good romp, you know. I like a I like a romp. I like a romantic comedy. That's like, I know you're out about that. You've posted it. I know. You've declared it, listeners. I came out as loving rom coms. I didn't know that you really needed to do that, Joe. Like I, I think that people like, you know, I think that you're the kind of person that people imagine is crying over the Notebook. Uh, well, Notebook is not a rom com. It's a drama. Um, oh, that's and true. I've never seen the Notebook all the way. Um, but see, I don't even know what a rom com is. Well, <laughs> like, um, was it Sleepless in Seattle? 
Seattle. Seedless That's in Seattle was a rom com. What's like a recent rom com? Recent rom com. Um, to all the boys I've loved before, which I talked. Uh, uh, you did discuss that. Earlier. Which I was like, you should do it. Um, mm-hmm. Love Simon is a rom com. Um, the setup. I'm naming like Netflix rom coms. The setup and you gotta um, go with what you know. Exactly. What are some classics of classics? The genre? You've got mail. Sleepless uh, in yes. Seattle. When Harry met Sally. My personal favorite. My best friend's wedding. Yeah. Um, you know, like I. <laughs> Joshua is having spilkes and his connect because he's, he's right. just like can't even can't even. But, but anyways, like, but still, I, I imagine the people yeah. you know look at you and think, yeah, he probably dates yeah. Julia Roberts. Yeah, I, I mean, I you do know. love a good Julia Roberts yeah, a little Sally Field and something. A little Sally Field. Yeah. A little, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know why I felt the need to come out of that, but I just like you know I I thought it was wonderful. I it was like I do love <laughs> those. I like why do I feel ashamed? Because it's not that's also uh, something that I'm never usually forthcoming about with people. Yeah, I don't say like oh I, I just say oh I like all kinds of movies instead of saying no. I'm firmly in my fandom for rom-coms and firmly in my fandom for horror. So in having this conversation with these friends recently and talking about like, you know, going over like the first season of Fright School and what we talked about and how it makes you think about horror in a very specific way. It makes you think about, you know, these, it makes you think about how modern horror is made by people who are horror fans and how they're kind of taking their trains on the genre and, like you know, I'm I'm not so much the, the 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 one interesting thing is that I'm I'm I have so I still have so far to go as far as all of the camp knowledge and so like everything that's in everything at that slashback video and oh know, yeah 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 and friend of the podcast Sam Weinman that he does at his uh you know weekly movie nights that he you know has all these like really campy schlocky films that to me is just like you know I still have so much in that literacy. Um, but at the same time, like I, I feel like there are, you know, it's interesting how, it's interesting how deep imaginations go and these filmmakers have. So, um, one thing I, I wanted to bring up this one more time because it's, it's a central premise of the film is that, do we have anything more to say about like families and parenthood? Cause we talked a lot about the deafness, which I was really happy about, but like, because because Krasinski is on record as saying like, this is pretty much all about like families and parenthood and the fact that like he made this with his wife, like he made this with his partner. Um, they're raising a family. They have children. children. Um, you know, I don't know what is, uh, I feel like, I feel like it's hard to raise children in the apocalypse. Um, the fact that they brought one into, they're trying to bring one into the world was very interesting. I wonder when, let's see. I wonder when he started writing it because, no, oh, I guess as er- may possibly as early as 2013. It says here, this is you know according to Wikipedia that they had thought it would be a Cloverfield installment, but then decided to make it its own movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, we can look at it in the, in the sense that you know obviously it was released in 2018, uh, you know produced 2017. We have Trump as president. And obviously, you know, big questions about immigration, about separating families at the border. Although I will say that those that is a policy that is much older than Trump. You know, um, I hate Trump totally against Trump, but you know, he did not invent racism. He did not invent the the horrible. You know, he didn't invent patriarchy. He didn't invent racism. No, and, yeah. and separating families at the border. You know, Obama immigrated. You know, or. Uh, Deported. deported a lot more people. Yeah. Deported a lot of people. Separated family. I mean, these these are not. 
new concepts. So I think that that's, you know, that's been a major cultural anxiety, you know, over the last mm-hmm. couple of years is these discussions and a lot of people who, you know, have families, I'm seeing my friends that are going down and they're protesting and they're being part of these conversations and, and, and thinking about their own families being separated and being like torn apart. So I think there is that sort of, uh, you know, conversation you you could definitely link it to that Mm -hmm. you know if we looked at this film another 20 years you know and seeing that it's coming out in this particular time frame when there's these major discussions of family and then the movie being about like literal aliens Mm -hmm. i don't know there's like i I think there's a there there's an interesting connection that can be made there yeah Um, but otherwise i i mean family I mean, I, I think it's the same as like The Walking Dead or other apocalyptic, you know, Dawn of the Dead or, yeah. you know, things like that where, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, a family struggling. It yeah. definitely brings those. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting because I feel surface. like I feel like with apocalyptic uh-huh. with apocalyptic uh, texts, you have, you know, The Walking Dead is about like, you know, we're the dead. Like we're yeah. we're the walking dead. What do we do? How do you have um, and we've talked about this before, how do you have like humanity mm-hmm. in um how do you have humanity and human decency and that and and all of that in in a situation when society is completely broken down yeah. and the and the main focus is survival. The main focus is to survive. And I feel like inserting any type of family narrative in those texts does that it's like well we have a family and these are the these are the values that we we have values that we want to instill and that's what that's what ties people to their humanity is having some sort of like familial connection and walking dead does it with like familiar connection you know just through the shared experience of you know fighting the dead but it but what quiet place does is that it's like literally this family you know, because then what do you have if you have like familiar collect fin- connections that are based on like complete and other destruction? You have like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. You have uh, <laughs> you have that. True. You have the family in um, in a American Horror Story Roanoke. Like you have these like family made up of monsters, and so you know I feel like it's it also provides like a moral a moral justification for doing certain things like, Oh, I have no problem killing you because Mm -hmm. it's going to help me and my family survive. Yeah. So I feel like inserting, inserting families and into those texts is very interesting. And for this film to completely explore, um, parenthood specifically and talking about the kind of world that they want to leave behind, like, you know, settling in, like this is all the contingencies for when we're not here. And the kind of control, like the knowing that like the release, you can only do so much uh, because this is, because you're not going to be there to be able to see how it pans out. So you can only, you can only do so much. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's an excellent, excellent point, you know, and, and sort of how this, like, how do families survive? Like what happens to them, you know, because obviously they've been hit with the apocalypse and then this particular family also gets hit with like, the death of their young son. And so they're trying to recover from all of this throughout the movie and trying mm-hmm. to figure out a way to live both in the aftermath of grief, which we don't see. Yeah. We don't see that immediate, you know, cause it jumps ahead. So you don't, you just mm-hmm. imagine that obviously, but the hope, I mean the whole film, I mean, she has a baby in it. So that that's wrapped up in this optimism of the future, you yeah. know, like, I mean, 
I get they it. lost one, they get another one. They yeah, replace one. But they're but you know, they have to think about that. They have to they become, you know, agriculturally like based again. You know, they're they're it's a farm. They need I mean, that's like the original reason we, you know, needed to expand and have big giant families so that, you know, you had people to work the farm. Enough people to work, yeah. <laughs> and and to and to teach, you know, how to continue mm-hmm. you know, the land and continue culture and continue mm-hmm. tradition. So, you know, the movie stands in that very firm tradition of of um you know mm-hmm. survival and how we do you know so they feel like again it feels like they're cavemen again they're starting over yeah. you know in a whole new world so overall i really really liked it i love emily blonde uh, you know i i was really just wowed by her in it i thought she did a great job i loved both the the child actors i thought were good Krasinski, obviously, he's you mm-hmm. know, he did a good job. I, I, I yeah. think overall, I really believe the story. I like the creature design mm-hmm. a lot. Who knew Jim from The Office had it in him? Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> I I like the you know the scene with all the water and the creature comes down and like dives in. That mm-hmm. was really creepy, very unsettling, again, very Jaws, very Alien. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I highly highly recommend it, and I I, I look forward to seeing how it ages, you know, seeing it in 10, 15 years. Like I've watched like Cloverfield and mm-hmm. alien, you know, and yeah. very curious to see how it ages. Mm-hmm. That's so, sweet. You'll never make yay, it. Yay. We've, uh, that's a, it's <laughs> another, uh, you're probably right. Um, <laughs> we're all going to die in a, in, you know, nuclear Holocaust. Anyways, I just, I hope that I just get a little bit of fall and become like a cool mutant creature. Yeah. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I can get some wings and fly around. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping for the mystique powers. I like to be a shapeshifter. Uh, so I'm very excited. You know, we got um, more episodes coming. Uh, American Horror Story, probably by the time this episode is out, the new season will have started. Yes, um, queen. So I, I hope that we will we'll have little wrap up uh, American Horror Story talks, you know, yeah. in, in for the future episode. We might like, <laughs> we might like maybe save, we might like do an episode midway through the first, this season and then do one like the end. So yeah. that way we can talk about a little bit more. Um, my f- two favorite seasons of American Horror Story. So um, I think yep, the crossover with uh, Kevin yeah. and Murder House. Yeah. Very excited. It's a lot of be cool good. stuff. The imagery looks great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing that over the next few months. Uh, I'm looking forward to, we've got some great movies coming up. Um, I'm looking forward to talking about the craft. Mm-hmm. Look forward to talking about Suspiria. We're moving yes. into we're going to do some witch movies soon. Yes, the hello. new Suspiria comes out soon, so I'm looking. I'm hoping we can like. Tie I want to do both. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. See both of those. Yeah. So um, our anniversary show is coming up. Two years of Fright School on Halloween. Right? Halloween uh, this year. Yes. So I'm looking forward to doing. We our very first. Full film analysis was 1931's Dracula. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward. We're going to discuss the, um, I actually really like, but we can watch it and then get, you know, like your analytical feedback and look at mm-hmm. some of the reviews. But the remake, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, that mm-hmm. they did with Winona Ryder and Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves, and I think 94 maybe, mm-hmm, 94, mm-hmm. 95. Um, uh, I think that'll be like a fun anniversary episode. Yeah. Kind of tie those two together, examine, compare, compare and contrast the various Dracula. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that's kind of what's coming up in the future of, of Fright School. We're going to have some more guest lectures soon. So, you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, as always, Joe, 
This is good times. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I, as I well. really enjoyed this movie, and I, I, I look forward to uh, doing some more fun. Uh, what do you call uh, field trip episodes? Yeah, Got lots of good horror movies coming out. So it's gonna be good. Yay! Yay! <laughs> yeah. So uh, as always, listen, rate, subscribe, all that stuff. Comment, please. Uh, tell us what you think. Uh, argue with us. Send us hate mail. We love hate mail. I love haters. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua loves all his haters. All my haters. Uh, but otherwise, uh, have a good night, Joe. Have a good night, Joshua. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 